Well, thank you, Harold. It's a joy to be with you all today, faculty and staff members. And it's a good thing that um, we can uh, share fellowship along the journey. It helps make it so much more joyful when we're able to share war stories and fish stories. And I appreciate so much the privilege of being with you all today. Uh, I'd like to highlight uh, a few verses that I've been pondering lately from 1 John chapter 3. Uh, John the writer says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. I love that word lavished, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Lord, would you speak now through me these devotional moments? Uh, would you... Uh, warm our hearts by the good things of God found in the scripture, and would you enlighten our minds so that we might better serve you. We love you this morning, Lord, and we give you praise for all that you have done, are doing, and promise to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As the Nazis were moving into the Netherlands, uh, Henry Kramer, a Dutch theologian, was approached by a group of a Christian layman who explained that their Jewish neighbors were starting to disappear from their homes. And then they asked him, what should we do? Kramer insightfully replied, I cannot tell you what to do. I can tell you who you are. And if you know who you are, you will know what to do. Well, and if you know who you are, you'll know what to do. That uh, is kind of the theme of what I want to share with you today. These folks became part of the Dutch resistance movement, uh, brave citizens who engaged in covert operations against the German occupation of their country. Uh, they um, collected intelligence. They published underground papers. And many, like Corey Ten Boom's family, hid Jewish refugees and resistance workers from the Nazi army. I believe Kramer was right. If you know who you are, you'll know what to do. And so who are we? Before I answer that question or attempt to answer that question, let me uh, just say this. Our, our sense of identity starts taking shape from the moment we're born. As we process feedback from parents and primary caregivers and others in our lives, um, loving parents and, of course, grandparents and other adults shower infants with uh, praise and affection. Everybody thinks they have the, the most beautiful child, obviously. But on the flip side, uh, less than flattering descriptive words that are carelessly spoken can have a profoundly negative effect on a child because such terms are both descriptive and prescriptive. That is to say, they tell you what uh, people think of you, but they also tell you what they expect from you. Some of you, no doubt, have studied family systems counseling, and you know that there's a, a, 
often a designated patient, uh, the problem child usually in a family, in dysfunctional families. Uh, that person who has received negative feedback and labeled uh, with such words as lazy or, or dumb or clumsy, uh, they can begin to um, uh, see that label as a personal attribute that cannot be changed, something like uh, blue eyes. Uh, and they can begin to accept that role in life and adopt that label and behave accordingly. Uh, for that reason, we need to be very careful about assigning labels to others because they tend to shape behavior, good or bad. And while parents and caregivers shape one's identity uh, more than anyone else during infancy and early childhood, the influence of other people's opinion uh, grows with each passing year. Uh, relatives, friends, school teachers, classmates, even advertisers and celebrities, countless others, profoundly affect the way we begin to see ourselves. We're bombarded with defining messages. Some are spoken, some are unspoken. Uh, some are positive and some are negative uh, from everyone around us. Uh, they may not be so crude as to give us the dreaded loser label, but uh, uh, too often the subtle feedback from others leaves us feeling that way. Uh, I want to keep it real this morning, and I I've just got to say, it's so easy for even the followers of Christ to start buying into the idea that our worth derives from our beauty or our intellect or our athletic ability our popularity, our career, our net worth, or any other temporary descriptor. I guess you've noticed that we tend to, especially men, but more so women lately, uh, you've noticed that we tend to define ourselves by what we do, uh, our professional engagements. I know I've done it repeatedly throughout my adult life. I've been known as Pastor Randy or Pastor Bertner, uh, then later on in life, my journey, I was pastor, district superintendent, uh, district pastor. And perhaps you've done the same thing. Define yourself by what you do. So society's utilitarian view of humanity has crept into each of our psyches. But we are more. We're so much more than producers. And we are more, so much more than consumers. Don't you wish that the solicitor who calls you at dinner time about a car warranty understood that? Don't you wish you didn't have to talk to somebody halfway around the world about your car warranty? They define you as a consumer. Um, and honestly, I think we all are aware of this, painfully aware of this, that um, the tendency these days is to define oneself in terms of political affiliation or racial ethnicity. And those uh, definitions tend to be very, very divisive. So back to the question, who are we? Well, in the passage I read this morning, 1 John chapter 3, John clearly and properly defines us. He says, what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. 
Verse two, he goes on to say, dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. Now we've all heard the cliche, we're all God's children. And there is a sense in which every member of the human race is a child of God. But in the gospel bearing his name, John says to all who received him, that is received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. And so as believers, we are indeed the children of God, making us heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ to employ Pauline language. Why? Because God has lavished on us his great love by sending his son as atoning sacrifice for your sins and mine. So it's not by our doing, but by his dying. And Paul in uh, Romans reminds us that even the Holy Spirit himself bears witness or testifies that we are God's children. I've been pondering this idea of our identity as the children of God, and I've, I've, been, um, I've come up with three things. I, don't worry, I've got three points, but I don't have a poem, so it's not really a sermon. Um, this identity is a satisfying identity. If we get our lives grounded in our identity as the children of God, we'll never need to count our Facebook likes to improve our self-esteem. A friend of mine has a bumper sticker. He claims this is true. I haven't seen it, but he says he's got a bumper sticker that reads, honk if you think I'm sexy. And he claims that he sits at green lights until he feels better about himself. Crazy. <laughs> Seriously, low self-esteem is a real problem because we focus on what others think about us instead of what God thinks about us. I love the quote by A.W. Tozer. I think he was spot on when he said, true faith requires that we believe everything that God said about himself, but also that we believe everything he said about us. We believe in him, but he believes in us, so much so that he has adopted us into his family. We are the children of God, and that's a satisfying identity. It's also a stabilizing identity. If we get grounded in our identity as the children of God, we can survive amidst the storms of life. Uh, just as an earthly father would not abandon his children who are getting beat up by life's trials, our heavenly father promises his presence whenever we walk through the valley. Word says in this world we'll have tribulations. And I really don't have uh, uh, an adequate answer to the age old question about why good people experience bad things. But while we may not have the assurance of full understanding in these matters, we have the assurance of God's never ending presence. And if we are grounded in our identity as the children of God, we can know the peace that passes all understanding when our 401ks become 201ks. Because our worth, you see, is not derived from our portfolio. Our real worth is not contingent upon our net worth. 
We're God's children, even when our feelings tell us otherwise. When it feels like the heavens are brass and uh, our prayers aren't getting through. Uh, if we get grounded in our identity as children of God, we can thrive in every season of life, from the womb to the tomb. Uh, I've been going through uh, adjustment to retirement the last two years. I had no identity. This is true confession time. I had no uh, idea that my identity was so inextricably uh, connected to my work. I'm no longer Dr. Bertner, district superintendent who leads the North Arkansas district. I'm no longer Dr. Bertner, pastor of Trevecca Community Church. I'm no longer Dr. Bertner, member of the NBC Board of Trustees. I'm just Randy. I'm the old man whose old school ways of doing church have gone away with the dinosaur. Uh, I must warn you, Dr. Graves, uh, retirement has its perks, but uh, you may discover that you've got all the answers and nobody's asking the questions when you start to retire. But if our lives are grounded in the, our identity as the children of God, we can keep on keeping on when we retire or when we get laid off because our worth is not derived from what we do. If we're grounded in our identity as God's children, we don't panic when the body begins to wrinkle. Sometimes I think I need ironing sometime on my arms and my sleeve. Uh, or you know, if your hair turns gray, or in my case, if your hair turns loose. Uh, our worth is not derived from our physical appearance. So as a child of God, as a daughter or son of God, uh, we don't have to worry about those things coming our way. So it's a stabilizing identity. But finally, and more to John's point, our identity as the children of God is a sanctifying identity. Now I'm really getting to what John is speaking about here. The rest of that was just kind of my opinion, but this is what John says. In verse two, John reminds us that we are, we are caught between the not and the not yet. Because of God's grace, the undeserved love that the fathers lavished on us, we are not what we once were, but we are not what we shall be. Someone has said it this way, we live between two Easter's, two resurrections, we are works in progress, Christians in the making. John says, when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And I want you to lean into this next statement. He says, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. And then, of course, John goes on to uh, remind his readers that uh, in verses that I didn't read this morning, he begins to remind his readers that Jesus came that he might take away our sins and that no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. In fact, he says in verse eight, the son of God appeared to destroy the devil's work. And so he emphatically emphasizes the fact that no one who is born of God will continue to sin. Back in the 70s, back when Harold and I were just starting out together, 
uh, Carl Menninger wrote the book, Whatever Happened to Sin? I've been thinking about that title a lot lately. Uh, I don't hear many people preaching or teaching or talking about sin anymore. I've been pondering the question, whatever happened to sin? And I've come to the conclusion that it's been sanitized. It's been glamorized. It's been legalized and normalized and even justified. Sin. What an archaic word. <laughs> uh, if we were in a theology classroom today, we might engage in a discussion about the definitions of sin. I understand the missing of the mark and the willful transgressions, the um, uh, traditional Wesleyan view, the willful transgressions against the known law of God. Some have called it a violation of love. But John makes things perfectly clear when he says these things, that sin should have no place in the lives of God's children. Our identity has a purifying, a sanctifying effect upon us. Our attitudes, our actions, even our reactions are bound to be more Christ-like as we reflect upon who we are. I, I think I'd like to yield to the temptation and, and rise to my feet and put them firmly on the soapbox right now. And I just like to express my dismay at the way Christians are attacking each other on social media. <laughs> and there seem to be a lot of people who aren't thinking about who they are and attacking each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, I'd like to think that we would ask ourselves uh, the question that came out of the hood years ago, who's your daddy? And if we thought about who's our daddy, uh, probably we refrain from that uh, um, vitriolic post on Facebook. Now, my, my wife is uh, really into name tags. Uh, Harold, you've been to some of our retreats and you know that she, she can conjure up a fine name tag. Now, she won't sat be satisfied with one of those generic my name is name tags. Uh, she likes a theme with a retreat. And so she's really into name tags. And I suppose I could say it this way. If making name tags were an Olympic sport, Debbie would be a gold medalist. Uh, but I don't like to wear those crazy things, especially the ones that you pin on. But I think that I think that a name tag might be helpful along life's journey. Not one that reads Randy Berkner, retired pastor or retired district superintendent, but Randy Berkner, child of God. Because if you know who you are, or better yet, if you know whose you are, you'll know what to do. May God keep reminding us daily that we are the children of God. Blessed be his name.